Hello. Welcome to the Cinema Draft Podcast. I'm the creator and CEO and founder of Cinema Draft, the game and the website, Eduardo Jackson, joined by my co-host, Peter Vogt, the lead designer on the Cinema Draft site. Say hello to the people, Peter. Vote is in the building. <laughs> Vote your conscience. All right. So we are we are here. It's our first test pod. Things are going to suck. Things are going to be great, and things might be in between. And if you do end up seeing this, which is highly doubtful, please let us know what you thought. Uh, either hit us with an email. Uh, you can hit us at help.cinemadraft at gmail.com or leave comments in this YouTube if we do get so brave to put it up. And maybe we can all ride to to winning at the Cinema Draft game together. Yeah. So what is Cinema Draft? People are asking. Uh, well, think of basically DraftKings meets the movies. So instead of drafting athletes from teams, you're drafting actors from movies. And the way that their movies perform at the North American box office, you earn points and win uh, and competing against other people to win prizes, like straight cash homie. It's free to play. Uh, you can go take a look uh, or sign up for the invite-only beta at, at uh, http colon slash slash cinemadraft.co, C-O, uh, and sign up for invite to the limited beta. We are in, currently testing it, trying to make sure it's ready for the people. And once it is, it will be the best thing you play on Thursday nights, I promise you, and daily if you're into some daily action. Now... Now, uh, just some concepts behind Cinema Draft. Uh, like, just like I said, it's like fantasy sports, but for movies. And so actors have a salary cap. You get 100000 um, and actors are valued differently. So if you have a movie like, say, Ghost Protocol, Tom Cruise is going to be worth more than Jeremy Renner. And so you have to figure out how to fit all these actors that you want, who you think are going to do well at the box office, into your, into your call sheet under a $100,000 budget. Uh, headliners like Tom Cruise are worth 40% more. So let's say if you had Suicide Squad and it earned 100 million, you know, uh, Margot Robbie would get 100 points, but Will Smith would get 140 points. So there's a little bit of strategy involved, and we'll get into all that stuff a little bit later as we close out the, the podcast. Uh, and also want to just get you guys acclimated to what's going to be the best thing you'll be playing on the weekends, Cinema Draft, cinemadraft.co. Make sure you check us out. Now, Peter, what up? Very, what up, fam? As they say in Texas, where you used to live, what yeah. up with it? What, what up I with it? What up, what up, <laughs> what up, what's up with it? All right, yeah. so so one of the things we want to do with each podcast is we want to hold our own sort of mock draft. And this podcast, the, our very first one, we're going to do the top five, or not necessarily our top five, but our but five of our best romantic comedies, and we're going to go one after each other, kind of snake draft style. So if Peter selects a film that I really want, then I can't choose that. And if I do, and I choose one that he really wants, he can't pick that one either. So there might be a little bit of strategy involved. And I know I'm front-loading some of the ones I want to go with, all right? And just to keep it fair, because I know he's probably going to sn snake some of my choices, we're going to flip right. a coin to see who starts first, all right? Very equitable of coin flip. You can't ever go wrong. All right. All right. So here we go. So here's the coin. All okay. Right. It is it is double-sided. All right. <laughs> and I'm going to have Peter, since you're the guest, call in the air. Tails never fails. Shit. Tails. All right. Peter goes first. <laughs> All right. So. 
when we talked about doing this beforehand, we, you know, I started going through the list in my head of romantic comedies. And, you know, it's funny. At first I was like, man, I'm not really a romantic comedy guy. But then I kind of realized after a while, I'm like, shit, I have a lot of romantic comedies I like. And part of that is what made me think like, what is a romantic comedy? You know? Okay. Uh, took- All right. Well, let's, let's get into that too. What, what do you consider to be a romantic comedy, Peter? So I have, it's a pretty, I feel like to consider it a romantic comedy, there has to be a, a loose but pretty firm guideline that the entire plot needs to tie into whatever romance it happens to be. So let's take my number one pick, my unequivocal top all-time favorite romantic comedy, The Wedding Singer. Peak Adam Sandler. Oh, wow. <laughs> Yo, uh, actually, Peter, I'm pretty sure you could have waited on that one, but all right, we'll take it off the board. Wedding Let's singer. Peak, peak Adam Sandler. <laughs> all right, so yeah, do tell. The Adam Sandler classic with Drew Barrymore. Give us your pitch on The Wedding Singer. Sell me on The Wedding Singer. So what's great about The Wedding Singer is it's the story of the average show, right? He lives in his sister's basement. He's a wedding singer full time. And his whole life is based around love. And then his whole world falls apart because the woman he's going to marry decides, heck no, I don't want to be with you anymore. I'm not living in your sister's basement with you. So she dumps him on his wedding day, which is, you know, spoiler alert, we're like 15 years, <laughs> 15 or 16 years after the release date or whatever. So uh, dumps him on his wedding day, on their wedding day, and then his whole life starts to spiral out out of control and he falls in love with his coworker, you know, Drew Barrymore, who's just the, the model of innocence, who's just shackled down with this absolute, absolute shit bag of a wall street trader, uh, fiance. And, you know, and they fall in love, uh, you know, yada, 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 as they say, and they fall in love. And, uh, so I think that, the Wedding Singer is a perfect romantic comedy because it's all about romance. It's all about heartbreak from the jump to the end. And there's a whole kind of – the plot is based completely around that. But it never stops being funny. From the second that Steve Buscemi comes out and he's embarrassing him at the wedding and falling over drunk and, and whatnot to bi- fucking Billy Idol at the end on the airplane. You know, nobody nobody talks to Billy Idol that way. That movie is <laughs> – it never once, no matter how lovey-dovey or how fucking dark it gets, never stops being funny. So to me, that's like the perfect romantic comedy. That's my well, pitch. Yeah. All right. No, you know, all right. So take take the wedding singer off the board. Uh, you know, I was a little skeptical at first, but you know what, Peter? I think I'm convinced. Well done. You explained that really well. Really well. And you're right. I, and I think one thing that's often overlooked a lot of times in romantic comedies is that they have to be funny. And that's why uh, – so a little background on me, you know, dear viewers. I used to write uh, movies and screenplays on the fringes of Hollywood. And we – and a lot of times I had to write romantic comedies. And, and trust me, I can write a romantic comedy like 20, 25 different ways. You know, raunchy, upbrow, lowbrow, whatever. You know, and one of the things we found uh, – my writing partner and I, uh, Greg Colleton, found out was that it's really hard to do a plausible – uh, uh, romantic comedy only because there's so many conventions out there and tropes that you kind of have to feed into. There's always the run at the end. And, you know, we used to fight that stuff too. We'd be in meetings. We'd be like, oh, you know, we don't want to run or, 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 or there'd be something missing and a producer would be like, you know what this needs? This needs a run. And you know what? Yeah. 
they would be right. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, I mean, what do, you, what do you feel? How do you feel before I go into my number one pick overall? What, how do you feel about some of those tropes like the run or kissing in the rain or stuff like that? Yeah. Well, I was, you keep saying the run. And every time you say that, I keep thinking of the graduate with the fucking boom, 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 boom at the end of the movie. And so to kind of answer your question, sort of, at least it gives us good comedy fodder because movies like Wayne's World 2 who parody that kind of like trope are always are you know that's always a good time. Uh, I don't like super uh, I, I you know as as a as a hardcore movie guy I love I have a flair for the dramatic and all that but like I really don't I really like avoiding tropes when I can like uh, it really sort of uh, ruins the cinematic experience sometimes. Like, like, look, The Notebook might be a fucking phenomenal movie, and I'm sure that like the credit that it gets is well due. But I'm not watching that shit because, like you said, it's all. <laughs> you haven't seen The Notebook? I, I've never seen it. I'm not, and I like Ryan Gosling. And you're married somehow? How did that happen? <laughs> I know. I, I don't. I'm not. I still don't know how that happened. But, uh, <laughs> but, wow. but no notebook. No, all right. No, well, no, well, well. Two no. heartbreaks, ladies of America. He won't watch The Notebook. And he's married. So uh, watch out, ladies. I'm knock him off your list. Knock him off your list. All right. So I'm gonna jump into it. My number one pick. And I'm and I, I probably could wait on this, but I'm too scared because I know you'd probably just pick it just to fuck with me. So I'm picking, of course, my favorite movie of all time, hands down, no discussion. I probably don't even have to say it. Say it for me, Peter. Boomerang. Absolutely. <laughs> Yep. That's you. You consider that a romantic comedy? I don't consider that a romantic comedy. What? Yet. Whoa! What? Oh, okay. All right. So you think it's a romantic drama? There's no. Oh, there's no, absolutely... no. 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 I think oh, that's think a, it's a straight I, up comedy. Yeah, like a comedy with an element of drama. But that's so. This ah, uh, we're going off. It's a rip. It's, yeah. it's totally it's totally romantic comedy. I mean, because the whole thing is bent up around. All right. So basically, Boomerang. You know, if you aren't familiar, and if not, shame on you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Actually, do we have that? Yeah, shame on you. You need to go see that. Boomerang <laughs> is that heat, all right? Uh, so basically, it's Eddie Murphy in his prime. 28-year-old Eddie Murphy uh, back in the early 90s in this chocolate world of successful, powerful black people running stuff. He's an advertising exec. He's a player who never gets played, knows all the ins and outs of how to play the dating game in the early 90s. Fly his suits, fly, fly office, fly job and everything. And then he comes across this woman he has to have who ends up being his boss, Robin Gibbons. And wouldn't you know, she turns out to be an even bigger player than him. And she ends up breaking his heart, and it takes Halle Berry, who for the first half of the movie looks broke as fuck, yeah. uh, coming, on, um, coming up to kind of restore his heart for him to really, you know, figure out what love's about. Of course, it, you know, he stumbles along the way, but it, it's just such a classic I mean, it's it's a, it's a somewhat classic romance, but it's a really, really funny movie. Going into what Peter said earlier about how uh, romantic comedies never need never stop being funny, and even Eddie Murphy at his worst, even when he's in his doldrums, it's funny. Like you see, like there's this whole montage of when he's just kind of sitting there, you know, watching you know screens of clouds pass by to like one of the best soundtracks ever. You know, the the Boomerang soundtrack is just it's timeless. And and or or when he's sitting there waiting on on uh, Jacqueline, that's Robin Givens' character to call, you know, and he's just doing all sorts of things like spinning the chair and you know yeah. playing a little, little Jenga with his pencil, you know. He's just, he just, I mean, it's and and or how he's all pouty and so he just, re it's just really funny. It's nonstop. It's added to the cultural lexicon. Every time I say Strange, Strange, I get it from Boomerang. It's it's a phenomenal movie. Plus, you also have 
Martin Lawrence and David Allen Greer, also in their late 20s, also in their prime, delivering just some fantastic comedy. And of course, the dinner scene to end all dinner scenes with John, with John Witherspoon. Bang, 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 bang. Got, the, <laughs> got to coordinate and all that stuff. It's an amazing movie. Check it out. Boomerang. I think it was 1991 by the Hubbard Brothers, Eddie Murphy. So you, you've sold me, but I have two things to say. One of which is I think if we did top five lists every week, you would find a way to work Boomerang in into number one, no matter what the topic was. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but, but so too, so this kind of goes back to what I was saying about what makes a romantic comedy is I, I never saw, I never saw that movie as a romantic comedy until now. Um, because I personally feel like you have to have a pretty serious or at least like very blatant cornball element to the movie. Um, like to be a true, at least in my, eye, I'm just talking about me. Like and my Boomerang's guess. not corny, huh? It's just fun. Uh, yeah, it's very fun. And I think of Boomerang as a story of like, you know, Eddie Murphy being a fucking marketing badass or, or, or an, like an ad exec bat type badass before I do like the romance. But, but, but that is, I guess, you know, that is part of the whole big thing of story. But uh, yeah, I mean, regardless, no matter what, uh, no matter what list it sits on, it, Boomerang's a phenomenal movie. It's not nearly as appreciated as it should be in my opinion. Oh, no. One of these days, one of these days. Uh, all right. So second pick, you're up. What do you got, Peter? Second pick is tough. I have a lot that kind of are fighting for the same spot there. Um, but I have to say that I think uh, – also, also strategy you know, might play might be involved here. I mean there might be some movies that we kind of you know, co-share that you might want to get in there so you can have your piece first. No, you're, you're right. Because once I, you pick it, it's off the board. I can't pick it. I don't know that we have a lot of uh, total over, like really serious overlap here. Um, uh, in this, well, yeah. I mean, if you don't like, if you don't like, you know, the Notebook. I mean, that's not a romantic comedy, but I mean, my goodness, the Notebook. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, now that you know, that lets you know how different our opinions do vary. I've got like a three-way tie for this, and I'm not gonna, obviously that's you know, it's I'm not gonna say all three, but they're kind of all on the same line, so. Uh, okay. But kind, kind of that like mid two thousands Judd Apatow uh, vibe. But then also, um, uh, though I'm gonna push those to the side, and I'm gonna say that number two, and it's close to number one also as well, would be there's something about Mary. Uh, oh, inspired. Yeah, uh, huge, huge, huge Fairley Brothers fan. Um, you know, n Southern Massachusetts, Northern Rhode Island represent. Uh, peak Ben Stiller. Cameron Diaz is just the fucking woman who has got it all. And and she is that woman who... They, that's the thing. They do... Like, I'm not... Like, so I'm not into blondes, right? But, like, I'm not... I'm not... I'm not <laughs> I'm not. I'm not super attracted to blondes. Sorry, blonde America. He's gonna alienate every one of our last viewers. But go ahead. Well, uh, I, <laughs> I'm teasing. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like generally speaking, I'm not attracted to blondes. But that movie builds her up as being such a mythical creature, like from his childhood. And then you see her, and she's like, she's gorgeous, and she's a fucking uh, doctor, and you know, all this shit. And, and much like the wedding singer, it never stops being funny. And it's, and it's off the wall funny too. Like some of the scenes, like when he gets caught at the, um, 
uh, rest area, and then he get, he winds up in prison in the south, in jail in the south, and like the you know the seven minute abs, all that stuff. It, it's it's <laughs> it's it's got all the over the over the top ridiculousness of a Fairly Brothers movie, like Dumb and Dumber, but it also is the perfect romance like date movie and that to me is like a great romantic comedy it's fucking hilarious and it's like a movie that you could go out on a date and have a really good time and feel romantic about now and it's funny that you mentioned that because what you mentioned earlier about how you thought of boomerang as strictly a a comedy i honestly thought of there's something about mary is just a comedy until now you mentioned that it is a romantic comedy i might have to rewatch that through fresh eyes yeah, you because if you look at it, it's like the whole plot is just centered around him winning the girl, you know, and 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 Good so point. he 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 meets her in high school, he loses her, you know, he almost rips his fucking dick off. Um, <laughs> he, he, he loses her, and then he like spends his whole life thinking about her, and then ten years later or whatever, fifteen years later, you know, he's like he decides, fuck it, I'm gonna uh, hire a private investigator to find her, which is. And they touch on this in the movie. It's creepy as hell. But, uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, the point is that the whole movie is about him trying to win her over. And then, you know, uh, all the other guys who have tried to win her over and all that. And, uh, and, and, and him trying to build up this, this love with her and uh, eventually succeeding. So, uh, and it's never not funny. Well, you know what? I'm sold. You convinced me. I, I, I may have to take a look at that once again through, through fresh eyes. Uh, so I'm going to do my my uh, second pick, and that is going to be – and just to get it off the board, I mean, and we, there may not be overlap, but I'm pretty sure it would be on your list somewhere, especially if you if we had a list down to ten, which we don't, viewers, we only have five each. Um, I'm going with, of course, When Harry Met Sally. <laughs> yes. Interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, it, the funny thing is – and almost – so if you do a, a Google search, right, of – Best romantic comedies. No lie, it is the first number one, one that yeah. shows up. It's one that shows I up. It, I mean, it it was on my list regardless, and I was actually kind of struggling to fill out like I want to have at least seven just in case, in just in case Peter, you know, vultured a couple of my picks. But uh, when Harry met Sally was always off the top of my dome because I mean, it's a bit of a cliche. It's actually a little, a little pretty old school. I mean, I'm an old guy. I'm forty. But I mean, I remember when I, I remember seeing it back in like I think it was high school, and just being blown away at how just nuanced it was and how true it was—the whole friend zone thing. And granted, that's my own emotional baggage, you know. I mean, no one wants to be, you know, a hot girl's, you know, best friend or whatever. I mean, being friend, being a platonic friend of of a pretty girl is like being a glorified eunuch. And I'm not down for that. So yeah. I love I love the fact that from the from jump, Billy Crystal is like, you know, when he meets Meg Ryan, he's like, you know, well, you know, men and women can't be friends. Like, sure they can't. No, they can't. And then they become friends, but at the end, of course, because it's Hollywood, because this shit almost rarely happens in real life, he gets out of the friend zone and gets the girl. So that's one of my favorite movies of all of really. I mean, it's, I'm not sure if it's like a top ten, but it's really up there. It's, it really holds up over time. When Harry Met Sally, 1989, Rob Reiner and Company, really good stuff. Yeah, that's a good pick, and I did see also on IMDb's top 100, it's listed as number one. Um, Yo, hold uh, on, I, that's, that's the number one romantic comedy or number one movie overall on IMDb. Romantic comedy. Oh, okay. Whew, let's say. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure number one overall is fucking uh, Citizen Kane or some shit like that. Or something, that. But, yeah. 
Yeah, um, yeah, you know, but I, I think that's a good pick, and I, I didn't pick it. I didn't pick it because I'm, um, I'm not, I'm just not crazy about it. Like, I, it's, it's a good movie. I don't like Billy Crystal, honestly. I like Meg Ryan, but I'm not a big Billy Crystal guy. You know, and you know what I think, Billy. I mean, Billy Crystal isn't even what I would call an acquired taste. He just he, he has his moments, but he has an entire moment for the for that duration of that film, and that's what I can appreciate. His other stuff, like you know, City Slickers, eh, it's okay. You know, I you know I saw it in the theater when I was a kid. It's kind of funny, whatever. And he hits or misses a lot of stuff. I mean, there's I wouldn't go. I mean, if he's headlining a film, that's not impetus enough for me to go out and see a movie anymore. But I, but this in this movie, he it's like one extended moment where he's like at the top of his game. It's as we would say, peak Billy Crystal. So I that, that's fair enough. I can't think of one movie that's starring him that I really, really liked. Uh, oh, at all. <laughs> all right. Well, so, for for Peter, there is no peak Crystal. <laughs> no, it's all it's all downhill. It's all a sad, wrinkled, curly-haired man who. Uh, got to play for the Yankees for a day because he's got a lot of money and made an ass out of himself publicly. <laughs> That's just the Boston Red Sox fan hater in me uh, speaking. Anyway. And and on that beautiful segue, let's go to your third pick, Peter. <laughs> okay, let, so... Let's restore our faith in romantic comedies. So I'm pushing... So, so uh, something about Mary pushed the trio of... Um, like uh, the the Judd Apatow era, like mid late two thousands movies, because like I said, there's a there's a there's a I think there's three, but there might even be more than that that all could probably take this place. But out of all of them, my favorite is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Really? What? Oh, Come on! You no, no. I, I mean, I I'm so at the time I I used to also write movie reviews. I've kind of started them up again. I'm pretty sure I gave Forgetting Sarah Marshall either three or four reels out of four. I mean, I enjoyed it, but I'm curious why, how this makes your cut. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Explain to the people. It seems, it, it, oh, come on. It's, 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 it seems kind of like beating a dead horse now because I think that movie was, came out in like, Oh eight. Um, so a lot of it has kind of been done to death. Like, uh, the Judd Apatow train, for instance, has kind of been done to, done to death a little bit. And then, like, the Russell Brand train has really been done. Oh, it's coming gone. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming <laughs> gone. But, but. In like two, a bullet train. <laughs> I know, but in 2008, that shit was fucking hysterical. Like, that, like, I remember, like, Russell Brand, like, spilling the wine on him, or, or the waiter spill, uh, Jonah Hill spills wine on him. And he's like, oh, not Mr. Tommy Bahama. Take my eyes, not the shit. Like, that I just I thought that movie was like uh, it kind of shares that same uh, it kind of shares that same vibe with uh, what is it the wedding singer where it gets like crazy dark because he you know he got dumped and actually the whole fucking plot's pretty dark if you think about it but it's so funny and everybody involved just did such a great job and uh, yeah I really like that my my if you look at my three versus your two so far mine definitely. Uh-huh they kind of take more of a uh, like zany kind of off the wall, like slapstick type vibe. Um, yeah. They're very heavy on the comedy. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think part of that is cause like, that's what I, I grew up watching. Like my dad and I would watch like Wayne's world, Tommy boy, all that like SNL graduate stuff. So like that kind of is affecting my choices, but um, yeah, for the Marshall, I really like a lot. 
So, so I just had, I just had to just dive into the, to the archives of of uh, my <clears throat> my uh, earlier inc incarnation as a movie critic. I wrote movie reviews mostly for uh, kind of local um, papers and stuff, and, and online uh, an online outfit called BlackInLA.com. And I, I dove in to see what I did give for getting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> and like you, Ben, so this is like twenty two thousand eight. You're right. So it's like April eighteenth, two thousand eight. And my movie biases were it's it's Apatow, it's R, it's a go. I was very excited about it, and I gave it four reels. I was very excited about it, and part of it was um, uh, I, I, like my opening line is one thing we can all agree upon is that breakups suck. They're about as fun as drinking battery acid, and having it recently endured one myself, perhaps that's why I relate so well to forgetting Sarah Marshall. If you ever been broken up with, this movie is for you. This no, movie that's is definitely for you. So well done, so Peter. You you totally yeah, that's right. Throw that's, it up. You redeemed yourself. That's so on point because uh, it really is just uh, dealing with a harsh fucking breakup. Like just you know you uh, you you you. He really got flat out dumped. He got, not only because it's it's one thing when you have a relationship with somebody and then you kind of you you agree to split up or like maybe you want to initiate the conversation of breaking up, but they also are there mentally as well and it kind of ends amicably but then there's those breakups where like you get left in the fucking dirt and uh you know this was that like big time like she left his ass she she was cheating yeah. on his ass i think they said uh, in that scene when they're out on the surfboards like she was cheating on him with russell brand for like years or whatever that it was a hard breakup but the movie's funny it's lighthearted. it makes you feel good at the end with the resolution Mila kunis very magical, very lit. I love that movie. Oh yeah, oh Mila Kunis. Mila, yeah. she's she's definitely. I mean, I, so she's reaching out in Bad Moms, and it's funny. I was on a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, and and the co-host like, oh, I hated Bad Moms. Like, I love Bad Moms. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think she's a polarizing figure, but I I think I'm glad that she's still getting work, still still looking good, and she's got a great life. She's married to you know your next tech billionaire, probably Ashton Kutcher. Uh. Uh, I, I did that just to needle you. Just needle you. All right, so my third one, just to take it off the board. Is oh, actually, oh yeah, duh. Okay, you're gonna you're gonna clown me for this, and I don't care because this is as cheesy as it gets. Everyone loves this movie, probably except for you. I'm totally prejudicing the, the jury pool, but it has to be Love Actually. There now, it is. There it is. There it is. That's yeah. the one. That's the one. That that's one that what that we overlapped. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we before no, we do, we don't overlap. This is <laughs> but, that's one. But for any for all one or two of the people who end up listening to this, Eduardo and I spoke real briefly before we started about the one movie that we got in an argument about that I thought was going to be on this list, and here it is. So go ahead, take it away. <laughs> well, no. So I mean, and that's another one. So in in your slash, you know. Uh, non-cornball of America's defense. thing about Love Actually is that when, at the time it came out, like at that, I think at that exact time where they were like, I was really going, like I'd really broken up with somebody or something. And I was, I just could not feel that movie at all. It was just so happy and Christmassy and, and sweet and what, I mean, it's got, and actually it's really got some dark moments, whatever. And, and, you know, the whole, whole thing with the, the kid who lost his, lost his uh, parent and everything. But man, I mean, it, it really holds up over time and and just all the i mean there's it's really hard to to 
to pull off one of those movies where there are all the different subplots, whatever, and then somewhat organically tie them together, and they all really you know come together really well. But just just little threads between the storylines that were really clever. I mean, Hugh Grant is the prime minister who falls for you know what I mean. She looks fine to me, but I guess she'd be considered plus size, whatever his plus size uh, secretary. Um, you know, that's a great you know uh, subplot. The whole thing with um. Andrew Lincoln, who I guess now U.S. viewers know him as the guy from Walking Dead, which I don't even watch, but that was my first exposure to Andrew Lincoln, like his kind of lusting after Kira Knightley, who was, you know, marrying his best friend. I mean, it's uh, it's just, there's something to be said about movies that give you a feeling. And Love actually is definitely a type of movie that, if you're in the right mindset for it, gives you that feeling. And I remember giving it three reels, and, and you know, out of four, and then going back over time, and, and like I didn't like rewrite the review or anything. But if people ask me, like you know, who had read my review then, and or 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 talked about movies, I would say that yeah, at the time I couldn't feel it, but once I was removed, once I got out of my own stuff. I could really, really appreciate that movie. It's a classic, a holiday classic, a romantic classic, and it is funny in several spots, especially the whole subplot with uh, freaking Simon Pegg, I think, as the as the um, nude, yeah, uh, as like the nude stand-in trying to find love. It's some good stuff, y'all. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> I'm not with it, man. I'm not with it. So, <laughs> I, 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 so I was, I, I, my ex-girlfriend, like, this was probably, <laughs> I would say, I'm not with it. That's, that's, I'm not with it gone. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say, uh, that movie probably came out in what, like 2004? Yeah, because that's around the time I broke up with <laughs> old girl. <laughs> yeah, I, I probably, I saw it in like 2010, I think, 2011. And it was one of my ex-girlfriend's favorite movies. And so, I, 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 and I honestly don't think that's playing, that I don't I don't think that's playing in very much because her and I ended on pretty good terms. And But here's my thing. So one, one thing you got to know about me, not a Christmas movie guy. Sorry. It was uh, it was holiday season two thousand three, like November, two thousand three. All right, yeah. so I was close. Uh, and I, I don't do Christmas movies. I just don't do them. My my favorite my favorite Christmas movie. My favorite Christmas movie is Bad Santa. So if that tells you how I look at Christmas, <laughs> if I, if that tells you how I look at Christmas and Christmas movies, then I think you know that that gives you a good picture. But so second of all, I just I thought that movie was just. It was too corny, man. Like it was too much. Like it was so, so heavy-handed in like the the sap. Like the whole like everybody everybody's hearts melt at that scene where he's holding out. Uh, he's holding the signs, you know. Like you're yes, perfect. yes. Like, like, like yes, yes. I'm like I'm like I'm ready to puke. I'm ready to puke. Like just <laughs> just just think. So so you like it. you like your romance bloody like a like a like a raw steak, huh? <laughs> I can't think. I can't think of the last time I saw. A romance movie where I, no, I mean I like romance to be realistic, and love actually is not realistic. I I don't. Okay. Think. No, no, that's 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 totally that's totally fair. But uh, so so in in reading the, the last line of my review there, and I, it just still baffles me how I could give it such a shitty review comparatively um, to you know uh, to what a good movie it is. It says this is the ultimate date movie for the holiday season. Or any season for that matter. If you can't get some from this movie, there is none to be had. But I give it three reels. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? 
All right, well, you, that's just... <laughs> you know you 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 had biases in play there. I get it, man. I understand, but like I'm not even sure. If, I'm not even sure if I told my audience I was in. I was like in a heartbreak way. I just was like, screw this movie. All right, well that that's my bad, and we're gonna put the past behind us and move on to to my number four selection. I'm now actually feeling a bit more comfortable, feeling a little more breathing room, feeling like I can you know be a little. I feel like I, like most of my most of my my favorite movies will will be or it's only two left that I can actually list so I, I'm feeling feeling okay I got my my big ones off my chest. It is a dogfight at the end of the at the end of this ballot, but wait wait, have... wait 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 time out time out you just picked. Oh 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 god! I guess I love this movie enough for both of us. Sorry, uh, your turn your turn. <laughs> you, you you picked uh, and and now it's now I'm up. Um, okay. So, there needs to be a womp womp. <laughs> but, all right, go ahead. Boom. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go back kind of in the re- direction that you've been going in and kind of move away from my zany fucking ridiculous comedy uh, sort of bias. Or not bias, but picks. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Titanic here. I think that's a little I – mean, we're, we're kind of really getting – That's not a comedy. You don't think that that's got the comedy element to it? Like the whole, uh... Wow. Okay. <laughs> Hot take alert. Titanic as romantic comedy. No, go for it. I definitely want to see that this should be very, very interesting. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. I just think, like, out of the balance of romance and comedy, I've been, I've been so heavy on the comedy that I'm going kind of more drama? towards... Towards the towards towards the romance side, romance drama side. Um, uh, okay. Uh, well, no. You, p- pitch me why Titanic is is a romantic comedy. I'll tell you why. Because it's become a meme in the last five six years. That's that's all. <laughs> that's the only reason. Because I look back okay, on it. World. Th- th- yeah. No. Th- think about think about the great memes that have come out of Titanic. Uh, I'm king of the world. Uh, paint me like one of your French girls. Uh, gentlemen, it's been an evening perf- playing with you th- tonight. Uh, or, you know. Um, okay. Okay. All right. So if you don't like that one, I have another one. No, on no, 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 no. Stand, no. stand by it. I love it. It's controversial. It might actually get some, some people talking about it. We accept you as you are, Peter. Titanic is romantic comedy. I love it. I well, actually... here's, here's oh, the thing, ahead. though. Here's the thing. I I feel, and that might be that's part of the problem with these lists. I think sometimes when people read them and are like, "What the fuck was he thinking?" I'm talking about like my favorite, not what I think are the best, but like no, my, sure, you Absolutely. know what I mean? Because um, there's a difference between saying something is objectively the best in like a genre or like the objectively most talented like football player, Tom Brady. But uh, you know, <laughs> if, but but if you know, but if well, but. I mean, you bring up a really good point as far as like, uh, I mean, that's the whole thing about art is that it's subjective. At least in sports, you have statistics, you have like numerical, you know, value, you have metrics. With with art, I mean, there, there's really no real way to say who's the best at what. I mean, you can say someone's good or really good. Mel Streep's got all those Oscars, but you can't really say, you know, that so-and-so is a better actor than so-and-so because there's no objective way to measure it. There's not. So whatever's best to you it can be the best. Let's, you know, let's leave it at that. Yeah, to me, like, uh, to me, Titanic is uh, mostly it's mostly a romance movie. I get that, right? But like, I, I if I had to go away from the comedy and go heavy on the romance, you know, that's the one that I would pick. Um, okay. But, uh, All right. Well, then let me let me come in. Um, 
with with my with my number four. Uh, <laughs> so this one, I don't think it's in danger of being taken by you, but it's it's in your universe. I could see you, you know, eventually getting to this down your list. Now yeah. I'm gonna say chasing Amy. That's a good one, man. That's a good pick. That's definitely. I was, I, was a little, I was a little nervous because a lot of people. I mean, I know you. He's from your hood, you know. Ben Affleck and stuff. Like, I know some people get, you know, and and Damon makes a, a very funny cameo in that movie too. Some people, you know, either love him or hate him. But honestly, at, at, I mean, even despite that weird kind of <clears throat> middle part of his career, I always thought Ben Affleck's a talented actor. He's he's been in a lot of good stuff that everyone has enjoyed over the years. And Chasing Amy was a really fun, funny uh, romantic comedy about a guy. You know Ben Affleck, who falls in love with a lesbian, and by some quirk of nature, which probably would never be PC or able to be made today, she ends up falling in love with him back. He basically turned a lesbian. Okay, that's realistic. But it's really fun because it's set in the world of comic books, um, which is its own interesting subculture. I love any movie or show that brings me into a, into a, a subculture or world I haven't experienced before. Matter of fact, I've got Narcos paused right now, like episode five. Can't wait to get back to that shit. That shit is lit, family. Very yeah. lit. Lots Very of lit. titles. Very lit. Uh, and uh, I really, I really appreciate like the. And there's a lot to be said in chasing Amy as far as is you know the nature of love yeah it's it's as far as romantic comedies go it's it's pretty realistic um, i mean i don't think there's a run there might be one run but it's not a huge centerpiece but there is that kissing in the rain scene or being dumped in the rain that i mean some tropes you just have to do i mean it, you know it's like it, it's 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 like when you know I don't know. It's it's like when the bad guy dies in the end. I mean, yeah, it's a little stereotypical, whatever. But sometimes you know it needs to be done. So there, there, it's a little light on the romantic tropes, but it's a really interesting situation, really cool world. Everyone's really funny. Jason Lee. That was actually the first movie that I saw with Jason Lee that I thought, okay, this guy's got you know some star potential. I don't think he ever truly lived up to it per se. Had a nice career on TV, but he was really funny in it. It was about the nature of romance. A lot of good stuff going on for Chasing Amy. You should definitely check it out. No, I totally agree. I have no, I have no dispute whatsoever. I'm a big Kevin Smith guy. We agree. <laughs> we agree. I'm a, I'm a big Kevin Smith guy, at least uh, in terms of the early stuff that he did. Uh, Clerks, Mallrats, Chasing Amy, Dogma. Um, but uh, yes, to all and, that, yes, for sure. And you know, you asked earlier how I feel about uh, real heavy-handed tropes, and I will say. That if you're going to do, at least in my book, if you're going to do heavy-handed tropes, a movie like this with sort of an unconventional at the time plotline is a really killer place for, in my opinion, to do them. Because you've got this, um, a guy who falls into love with a lesbian and, you know, she ends up, (laughs) whatever, uh, liking, (laughs) liking him back or however you want to put it, I guess. But, um. You know, and and so in that movie, it almost to me makes a lot more sense to go to pull the rabbit to pull the trope rabbits out of the hat because you've already got a baseline kind of unorthodox for movie storyline. Yeah, some yeah sometimes you just need you know the you know tropes you know conventions you know plot uh, pretty, somewhat predictable plot points only to bring in what's such a flight of fancy back into something that most more people can relate to. So I, I definitely agree with that. All right, so Peter, this is your last pick. And actually, we can even go over uh, briefly afterwards what didn't make you know the cut. But tell us what is your the last movie you want to put up here in our, in our inaugural cinema draft draft, our five best or most interesting romantic comedies. 
All right, I'm closing with a good one here. Ten things I hate about you. Really interesting. Okay, I, you know, for, I support that as a, as a native Seattleite, for which that part of that movie was filmed. I support your selection. Give it to the people. Ten things I hate about you. Listen, first of all, mo- uh, modernized Shakespeare, Taming of the Shrew. I mean, come on, True. you 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 can't watch that and not realize, and, and you can't watch that and say, oh, that's such an obvious Shakespeare adaptation. No, it's a totally, it, it stands completely on its own as a, you know, uh, not unique story, but it, it's its own story. It's its own characters, but it's the taming of the shrew, beautiful backdrop uh, of Seattle and, um, you know, the that whole surrounding area. Uh, beautiful school that they filmed it at. Um, that was Joseph- actually my high school, by the way. You mentioned that, that to was me like before. That was, my, you, that was my high school. They filmed it at. It's hilarious. Like the whole scene, so many iconic scenes. Him singing Frankie Valley to her in on the football field in the in the bleachers. Um, just just like so. Um, oh, jo- I'm sorry, that wasn't my school. I was thinking. I was thinking of a, of a say anything. No, wrong school. Go ahead. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I think I'm not totally certain. Um, but I think this was kind of his breakout where he was in um, Third Rock from the Sun and everyone knew him from that. And I feel like they put out that movie and were like, oh, French Stewart uh, is probably not going anywhere. But Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he's got a, he's got a career in front of him. He's and he Snowden! Does. Snowden coming! Snowden coming! Can't wait. Oh, we're not even – we can save a whole other podcast for that because <laughs> – Hashtag <laughs> uh, America. Uh, oh my God! No, not even that. Anyway, so uh, listen. <laughs> so, so listen. Great movie. Um, Heath Ledger at his best. Peak Heath Ledger, if you will. Uh, you know, rest in peace. And um, just a really, really fucking well done movie all around. Everybody, the whole uh, love triangle between you know. Okay, he loves Larissa Olenek, uh, aka Alex Mack. On uh, Nickelodeon, um, he loves <laughs> loves Larissa Olenek, but can't go out with her because the older sister is jaded because she and the, God, so many twists and you know not twists and turns, but so many interconnected little uh, bits of the storyline, and it's very it's very high school in that way. Like, oh, sh- the older sister is super jaded and and won't go out on dates, and you find out it's because of the fucked up, you know, the asshole jock who, you know, screwed her over really badly and who uh, Larissa Olenek loves and uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's competing with and blah, blah. Um, just, just wonderful movie. Uh, very, very high school, uh, very Shakespeare, very lit family. <laughs> okay, 10 Things I Hate About You. Wow, yeah, I haven't seen that in forever, but I really enjoyed it when, when it came out. I believe I saw it in the theaters. I did like the, the Ode to, to Seattle. You know, I, I represent my hood. I'm from Seattle, the 206. What, what? And, yeah, very solid pick. And, yes, you know, Heath Ledger, man, you know, charming, young, you know, a heartbreaker, the accent, all that stuff. That, that's, that's, good. that's a good pick. Um, I'm, uh, and, you know, and for that, you, get, you went out – Went out strong. I'm hip. I'm, I'm jiggy with it. I'm hip. I'm <laughs> jiggy with it. As we say outside, you went out strong. Okay, so my last one. I'm in. A, oh, I'm in a four-way battle for my soul right now. 
I think I'm, I'm going to settle on something that's a little bit more conventional, but we're going to we're going to both go over a few of the ones that we didn't uh, that didn't make our list because I just feel bad I left any of these out, um, and they're almost all like tied with each other. Ah, oh, this, this this breaks my heart. I'm going to go with for my final one, Notting Hill. That's right. Okay. Uh oh. Uh, what, what do you got? No, real real quick. What, go for it. What do you got? I I I I uh, I haven't I've just I haven't seen it. That's the only thing. So I'm I'm oh, killing the oh, okay. All yeah. right, well whew. okay. Whew. Okay, so all right, this is this is the money shot. This is the movie that all right, so with you know, no spoilers or anything. There's really there's really no spoiler. The basic basically the I mean all romantic comedies or most romantic comedies tend to end the same way, you know. But generally this is, you know, Julia Roberts basically being Julia Roberts, being like a, a movie star, right? I think her name was Anna in this movie or something. And 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 she's staying or hiding out in, you know, in Hugh in Hugh Grant's, you know, uh, little flat or whatever with the is it the red door? I think with with the red door or something. Um, in in Kensington. And they fall in love and all sorts of stuff. But you know, how do you deal with someone falling in love with someone who's just so super duper famous is like, you know, Julia Roberts. Like she's, you know, she's a movie star. He's like this book shopkeeper. And it just, I mean, I mean, this is a minor spoiler, but it's still, I mean, and you've probably seen this already on the internet, Peter, but I mean, it's, it's spawned one of the greatest lines of all time in one of the greatest, you know, uh, performances in a scene of all time where Julia Roberts gives this whole monologue and at the end. She's like, I'm just a girl standing before a boy asking him to love me. <laughs> I always, I always, I always thought that was the notebook. No, <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm not even doing a callback. I really always thought that was a line from the notebook. I know Notting Hill Notebook, somewhat similar titles, but yeah, just I mean, and and what's interesting is that it's it's actually really funny too in spots. Like it's not as funny as as some of our top end movies. Like not nearly as funny as Boomerang per se, but it's got a lot of like British humor when she meets the parents. There's a lot of you know the, the whole dinner's really funny. Um, you know, uh, just Hugh Grant, you know, is is a low key, you know. Uh, comedic, you know, genius only because that whole affected mannerisms that he has with the, 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 the stuttering, the, the stumbling, whatever, that's actually really well rehearsed. Like, that's like, I mean, he's somewhat like that in real person, but that's like a thing. Like, he had, those are all like really well planned out as far as his performance. So I really enjoyed that movie. It's it's definitely heavy on the romantic side, you know, and it's got, you know, nice light comedy. It's it's a good movie. Check it out. So, so Peter, so what are, so, so what are some films that didn't, that you, that you want to cram in there, but you couldn't do it? We're not kugling here. Denzel Washington's greatest podcast of all time. Period. Fans, no kugling, no making seven or eight for your top five. Okay, go ahead. What, what, what almost made your cut? Shout out to W. Kamal Bell. Um, yes, but, sir. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so um, two two that I left out, and I'm I'm saying two because these uh, specifically launched the conversation when I first started discussing this podcast, uh, the topic last night with my wife. The first two she she suggested she knows are two favorites of mine, but I said to her, which I've repeated many times in this podcast, okay, I don't think that fits the criteria of what is uh, a romantic <laughs> comedy. So 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 those two are The Devil Wears Prada, which is one of my all time favorite movies. Technically Shout romantic to- comedy, yeah. Well, so, but is it though? It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't very funny, but that's like, that's the section uh, if we still had video stores, you would find it in. No, that's, that's like, the whole movie is about her career and her struggles with her boss. Not, 
not her struggles with like a relationship of any type or anything like that. Oh, you know what? Great point. You know, and a little bit. Daniel it's, Peter, though, really, sorry, really quick though. That that brings a really good point. At, it, we almost, I mean, for lack of a better word, you know, ghettoize uh, a movie that had like, you know, it was it was very it's female centric. It's about a queer woman, you know. It's it's comedic in in nature. It's not like you know, it's not like Apatow slapstick comedic, but it's it's comedic in nature. And because it's it's leads are women, we you know almost by default you know categorize it as romantic comedy. And and, and I apologize. That's my bad. As a woke male <laughs> who may or may not be a feminist, you know, I mean, it's. I mean, I, I feel bad that we even shoved in that category because you're right. It's not about her relationship per se. Like, Adrian Grenier's there, but he's like window dressing. You know, he's not really doing much. It's all about her and her career. Good point. To be fair, though, I mean, my wife is the one who suggested it because she knows how much I love that movie. And the second that I told her that we were going to be talking about um, romantic comedies – she said she oh get devil- some air time, huh? <laughs> yeah well well she goes she goes you got to do the devil wears product because you love that movie so much and i'm like i don't think you can consider that a romantic comedy um and then immediately after we followed it up with another one which is also an all-time favorite but also i don't think a romantic comedy in my opinion clueless you know, and actually, that uh, <clears throat> you know, I think that's just a straight up comedy, but it is categorized as romantic comedy. Like, if you look it up on on, on Google, it shows up in the list. Although, you know, and actually, it, it kind of is romantic comedy because there's a lot of like it's really hormonal and teenagey. But um, but it is the whole thing with, like Paul Rudd, you know, and and Elisa Silverstone, you know, trying to hook up and stuff like that. That's <laughs> that's that's really. <laughs> A little borderline incest thing going on at the end there. <laughs> you know, share and all that stuff. My, one of my favorite things that came from that movie, I mean, first of all, I was back when Stacey Dash was black. Yes, I said it. Uh, and she was <laughs> it, it, she was everybody's, and I mean everybody's dream girl from Mo Money. I mean, oh my God. She was on so many posters in college. Yeah. Let, me, let me tell you. But uh, my, one of my favorite uh, little things from that is when Donald Faison, who – it's just coming to his own back. It was actually, I think it was his first real role, really, that we noticed him in. Um, when he talked to you, like, woman, come over here. And she was like, let, let me get, yeah, let me get $5. Yeah. And then, she, and then she, like, check him. He's like, oh, no, you know, I'm just playing. <laughs> hey, I know it's wrong. It's, and I do it as a joke. But sometimes I'll be like, woman, what are you talking about? Like, some of my female friends. And I, they take in the nature it's intended, trust me. Uh, okay, so, all right, so uh, uh, the, the ones that didn't make the cut for me, and these were really hard, um, in no order of importance, uh, are Sleepless in Seattle, for obvious reasons. Right. I mean, I mean, it, it's, it's a classic, plus also yeah. Seattle. And that, that houseboat culture, it's kind of real. I mean, they, I, my mom's uh, boyfriend used to live on a houseboat for a long stretch, like four or five-year stretch. And, I mean, I could totally – I mean, I hope he wasn't getting a lot of tail on that other than my mom. <laughs> Even then, that's kind of creepy. But, um, I mean, I could totally see how that's, like, you know, a really romantic setup. And, I mean, I don't know, maybe when I'm 60 or whatever and, and, and just want to, like, shut off from the world, maybe I'll buy a houseboat on Lake Union like <laughs> Tom Hanks' character had. So, so uh, Seattle's great, and, uh, and the whole Empire State Building end is awesome. Like, what were you gonna say? The whole uh, the thing about Sleepless in Seattle that's funny is when I moved out here. I live in Washington State now. I live five hours from Seattle, but I, I live here. And I just for fun, I was looking into articles about like moving to Seattle and stuff like that. And uh, the first one I read very clearly stated, like, listen, just because you watched Sleepless in Seattle and thought it looked amazing. <laughs> 
doesn't mean you should move here. There's some stuff you got to know before you move to Seattle. Uh, <laughs> so I just thought, I thought that was funny because uh, – and also, too, that I, I will say Sleep is in Seattle seems to be kind of objectively always really like number one, number two all-time top romantic comedies. Yeah, it's up there. I mean, and, and probably because it's got every single romantic comedy trope possible. It's got a run. It's got, you know, long distance. It's got huge obstacles. It's got nearly missing each other. It's got, I mean, and then the whole letter convention is just so, I mean, it's, mm. it, it's, it's got it all. It's got, for, it's hardcore corn ball. It's Iowa field corn, straight up. Um, <laughs> so it's that. It's say anything. I mean, that almost goes without saying. I mean, the boom box. And, oh, once again, Seattle. I'm, I'm very partial to my city. Guilty as charged, very partial, very proud uh, of the 206. But yeah, Sleeps in Seattle. Now that's the one where they filmed, like, I think her graduation on our quad. I used to go to this really fancy, you know, private school called Lakeside. I was on full scholarship, trust me. <laughs> but um, it was, yeah. it, you know, and they, it's almost shaped like a, like, a, you know, a university. I mean, and it costs at the time, like six times University of Washington. It's like really expensive. But they, they filmed some scenes over there. Um, you know, very, uh, fairly sale oriented. It's, and I really, I mean, who can relate to the pangs and of, of, you know, long after a woman and kind of doing whatever it takes to get her. Although I think that kind of breeds some, some weird stuff in our culture as far as like men are gluttons for punishment. But I do love how, I mean, that is the iconic scene with the boom box that, you know, has been, played and replayed culturally time and again. And then the last one that I really wanted to put on there and, and more is a little bit along the lines of, um, of, well, it's, 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 it's pretty funny. And this is, and trust me, if I did this in, in I mean, you know, in, in a generally, you know, black audience, this would make everyone's list, not to stereotype. I'm just saying from personal experience, this makes everyone's list from around, you know, my people is love Jones. And it was really phenomenal when it came out and it just kind of hasn't held up over time, but it's really, but it's a fun movie. There's some definitely funny parts in it and the romance is just, it's hot and heavy in there. Like Nia Long, Lorenz Tate, young, hot, black, mm. single, getting it in Chicago. I live in Chicago actually, I think the year it came out. So, I mean, all that stuff really spoke to me and it's still a cultural touchstone for, uh, at least within my community. Oh no, that's a great, I mean, love is a great movie. Um, you know, I think that, uh, I, oh, that, I, that whole poetry culture, the whole spoken word culture, the, the snapping. Well, well, so, but, but it's funny that you say that because what I was thinking is kind of like, there's some elements of, of that, uh, of that movie in Chirac. Like if you look at stuff that comes out now, yeah, yeah, yeah like it, they're, you know. That might just be because it's Chicago culture. Like, if you film in Chicago, you'll get a lot of that type of stuff. They have you, like, you know, I mean, I'm, I think they went out like the whole like that that jazz dance scene. I think was really, I mean, you know, the, the really great lounges out there. Is that there's that there's a whole like you know adult scene which actually I didn't really get a chance to participate because I was only like 21, 22 when I was there, and I was only there for about a year. But that that whole thing, I I could definitely see. You're right, is is influenced in in Chirac as well. Yeah, and, and I think it's funny because uh, book ended with Boomerang. You kind of have that's a perfect closer almost because you opened with Boomerang, which is, in my yeah. opinion, yeah, in my opinion, that's an underappreciated um, piece of black cinema. And then also now with Love Jones is also an underappreciated piece of black cinema. I think, I think Love Jones. Uh, I think that definitely did not hold up as well as Boomerang. But even Boomerang is still kind of like. 
I remember like you and I have had so many conversations with people where you've been like, yo, boomerang, boomerang, boomerang. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, never seen, never seen it. Sorry. So right, that's a great, exactly. that's a perfect and, 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 closer. Uh, I, well, it's funny that you, that you say that uh, about like how uh, Love Jones has been appreciated. So I would say, I mean, you know, you know, from, uh, from a thousand feet away or whatever that I would say that maybe uh, in, in, you know, general, you know, uh, uh, in predominantly white culture, Love Jones has been underappreciated in, in a predominantly black culture, Love Jones has been overappreciated to the point where I think it's been properly appreciated now. That's How fair. That? That's that, <laughs> How about that? that actually, yeah, I'm definitely speaking from, from as a, as a white person, because that's, that's one that like, you know, me, I watch a lot of black cinema. And even that one is one that like, I've seen once a really long time ago. Whereas if you take like, um, you know, like a jungle fever, Mo Better Blues, or Clockers, mm-hmm. or whatever. I've seen that shit a million times over. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so uh, which uh, which may I, also go to the filmmaking too. I mean, not nothing against Theodore Witcher. I mean, you know, I mean, who knows what he's working on now? But you know, he definitely captures lightning in a bottle in I think nineteen ninety seven, ninety eight. But having been of that almost that age, like I think they were in their mid twenties. I was like 20 or something or, or 19, 20. And when that came out, because we were so starved, so starved for black people that look, that, that looked act like us who were, you know, middle-class, whatever, and having like, you know, real world stuff versus all the gangbanger stuff. Like we were so starved that, that I think as a community, we overvalued uh, love Jones over the years, but it's, it's a, it's a good film. I enjoy it. I probably need to see it again. I owned it for a while. So, you know, yeah, it's good stuff. I always still like the gangster side of the early '90s, late '80s, like Juice and uh, New Jack, oh. New, New Jack yeah. City. <laughs> yeah, some some really good stuff came out of that. I'm just saying, I mean, some really bad stuff did too. But I, I mean, sure. I'm so glad when we see the whole, you know, the, the, the diaspora, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Well, yeah, that was a perfect closer for you. Yeah, thank you. And so, um, just to get just to get you guys acquainted, we've already missed our start time this week, so we won't really go over the shot list. But coming in future podcasts, we will have this thing called the shot list, where we'll go over the values of actors that are in our current talent pool that, and from which you can draft to add to your call sheet, so you can make some smart strategic choices to pick the winning call sheet that'll send you right to the top in the weekend's contest. Uh, also, uh, as a reminder, that to check out our game. Uh, make sure to go to our landing page and sign up for an invite to the free beta at cinemadraft.co. That's cinemadraft.co. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at Play Cinema Draft, Facebook, Cinema Draft, Instagram at Cinema Draft, Medium slash at Cinema Draft. And guess what? We're even on Pinterest. What? Cinema Draft. So if you, if you have any inclination to touch base with us on social media, we appreciate it. We definitely want um, uh, your feedback if this ever goes out. And uh, I think this is a good time to wrap it up. Any final thoughts, Peter? I think uh, that was a great first episode. I think you open really strong, close really strong. I had the dark horse with Titanic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm kind of regretting it, but nope, perfect. Great. Cinemadraft.co. All right. Appreciate it, Zen. Here we go. Till next time. <laughs>